Welcome to another episode of what we do in Elysium. I am your host, Alex. And I'm your other host, Colin. And we have a bit of an apology to make. Yes, yes. Very, a very uh, serious tone to start the episode because we, yeah, we have, we have something we have to say. We're sorry to recruitment drive. Yeah, it uh, made the top 16 and, you know, gave us a big, and neither of us did. So there you go. Yep. Recruitment drive is better than we are. Yep. (laughs) Yep. All right. But in all seriousness, uh, so we're, this is the Monday after Gen Con. We're back. We're somewhat rested. Not entirely. Yes. (laughs) More rested than, yeah, more rested than we were, I guess. (laughs) Um, I had a blast. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It was a lot of fun. It was a very different Gen Con than normal, but it was, it was fun. Yes. uh, You know, Gen Con in the age of uh, ongoing pandemic, uh, but everything was, uh, safe i guess you could say everyone was wearing their masks and social distance were appropriate and all that good stuff yep um but that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about uh, the events and how they went yes uh, so the the first thing we had was the pre-release and we're not going to go too far into like all the cards and whatnot we'll we'll do a separate episode just for that stuff right right we have, we have all the cards available we don't have to speculate or anything like that um but yeah, we should, let's see. We showed up Thursday, and the the first the first surprise of the day, and I don't think this was posted anywhere else. But the first surprise of the day was that the first two rounds were going to be pre cons only, and you had to play each of them once. Yes, and I I understand why they did it because you know if it was a new player event, you know you have literally being handed a deck and saying play this, like it makes some sense, but. It was a little annoying to not know that ahead of time. Um, and yeah. it also made for a very awkward round to <laughs> pairing. Um, yeah. For a few reasons. <laughs> for a few reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, if if any Renegade staff are listening, I, I, I would recommend in the future to have all of this stuff laid out ahead of time because this wasn't the first change to the event. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, first, first it was... You know, uh, expansion only. They were going to give us some time to build some decks and then start the event. And then we show up the day of and don't don't deconstruct the precon decks. We're going to be playing with them. And, uh, you know, it was fine. It was just, a, like you said, just a little annoying that it wasn't known ahead of time. I'd be perfectly fine with it if it was ahead of time. It's just the last minute change. Yep. Um, and then the other the other issue was, I think, because how many people were at the pre-release? Like 30-ish? <sighs> Yeah, high 30s, I think, maybe. So, and I think there were, like, two or three people that won round one with Gangrel. Yes. So, um, they, so. Si- since they since they wanted everyone to play each deck once, the, the second round pairings were weird because Nosferatu ran away with round one. Like, beyond, there was maybe two or three Gangrel winners. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really just said, okay, everyone who won with Nosferatu get, get, get on one group over here and the couple gang girl players get over here. And they just literally pointed at a couple people like you, 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 you. And then they, I'm not even sure how they did the rest. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that was, so that was a little weird. <laughs> um, 
but then the, and then the second two rounds they gave us kind of a break in the middle to look at the cards built you know kind of put together a new deck mm-hmm. and then play two other games we could you could alter your deck however you wanted um you know so i mean it was it was definitely a fun event but you know the little weirdness at the start start notwithstanding it was a fun event it was really cool to play with the new cards i think it's a really interesting expansion too Yes, yes, it's very cool. Um, I've, I've been mentioning on the discords and whatever, like the Blood and Alchemy feels like an extension of the core. Like it still follows most of the same rules and fundamentals, whereas Wolf and the Rat starts to experiment and, mm-hmm. and do different things, which a lot of cool things I like. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's some cool, There's there's a lot more, uh, I, well, I don't. I don't say there's more discipline center, like kind of react or interactions rather in this one, but it's it felt more like um, I don't know, like blood and alchemy was very heavily focused on the blood sorcery and the alchemy, obviously, um, and of course there are two two new disciplines that we haven't seen before in in the expansion as well, the animalism and the protean, I think it is. Yep. Yep. Um, and those are and those are cool and they have some cool stuff. But there was also, you know, there's some obfuscation stuff in there. Um, maybe I think there's another. I think there's some more potent. So like, it, it's good to see. Yeah. At least, at least to me, I mean, off the top of my head, it feels like there's a little more um, discipline stuff. And and the other thing is right, the animalism in particular. There are some Nosferatu with animalism. So like, it just felt a little more interactive. Um, and not 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 like a in a bad way that blood and alchemy wasn't, but blood and alchemy just was like very they, those disciplines are very focused on their factions, which makes sense. But yeah, these are yeah. more spread. Yeah, it felt like uh, we got new things with all the animals and the animalism, but we also went back to kind of support some of the older things, like you mentioned with the obfuscation, and yeah, there was some potent things in there too. Um, so yeah, that felt good because I I we know that the expansions going forward, at least for some amount of time, aren't going to revisit any of the core clans. Right. Um, so getting cards that can supplement them is nice. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and, and you know, I also want to say, if if somebody hasn't had a chance to to look at the new stuff, I know it's been it's been up a, a couple places, and I think it's going to go up officially on the website here and you know this sometime this week but um despite the despite the initial round results i don't i don't think that like nosferatu is so much better than gangrel um in general i just think that the pre-con decks are a little unbalanced particularly for like you know your first game opening them right because the the nosferatu deck is uh much more aggressive and the the gangrel deck is much more not combo-y, but, you know, requires a lot more interplay with the cards. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, the f- people's first game with the pre-con deck that, that Nosferatu beat up on them pretty strongly. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. But I can say that the two wins I got were with the pre-con decks. <laughs> hey, there you go. I'll take it. Yep. So, but yeah, fun event for sure. Uh, it was nice to get, you know, play play cards with a bunch of other people. Um, the, I mean, I, and aside, you know, we talked about the weirdness, but one thing I do want to say about, I mean, about the pre-release and prints in general, um, the events in general is they, they ran pretty smoothly. Like everything was, Oh yeah. You know, the, the, the rounds were, po- the rounds were ran quickly. Um, everything was posted or pairings were handled quickly, you know, like <laughs> again, I mean, again, with the, obviously that, that exception, but 
but in general, you know, I was I was quite quite happy. This was a pretty pretty well run event overall. Yeah, yeah. All all the events throughout the weekend, even with the pre release, having to figure out the uh, the pairings and stuff, they they kept a tight ship. It went boom, boom, boom. Round timers, like even when the last table was uh, done a little earlier than round timer, they just kept it going, uh, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. All right, so now to the real meat and potatoes, uh, Prince. Yes, yes. So I guess we should start. Um, and the, at least in the, I like the grand tradition of the, um, the, some of the old Thrones podcasts where we go through all the people who went in reverse order of finish. So that means you get to talk about your experience first. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> my day was off to a good start because my first round, well, to, to, to preface, I, I changed my deck to 8 AM that day to a deck I had not yet played because I wanted a deck that, uh, had Aurora in it the uh the Tremere five coster uh so someone gave me a deck and that's what i ran with so uh it was kind of aggro-y it was built around uh giving her the alchemies that gave her strength with frog and smoke just to keep her standing and dragon's ruth to just keep her blocking and it's a fun deck but uh could have used a little more prep time on my end but uh yeah the first the first round i got knocked out because the my rival who was before me in the turn order was another aggro deck, uh, ranged aggro deck. So I was fighting for my life the whole game, but couldn't pull it out. Um, the rest of my games were just uh, survival games, really. <clears throat> so I didn't didn't win the table, but didn't get knocked out, which I think we'll go into more detail in that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but other cool things I saw, there was um, played a game with a deck that was uh, leader was Bella Forte and the deck had zero attack cards, so she could always hit, which was pretty funny to realize halfway through the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, asked, I asked him, I'm like, man, your your Bella is so good. And mine, mine whiffs half the time. He's like, yeah, because there's no text in the deck. And I go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Um, played, some, played against some... Comes, yeah, played against some uh, conspiracy decks. There was one person at a table that did win the table who was playing a pure Tremere ritual deck, which was pretty cool to see because I don't think we thought that was going to do very well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I saw one of those too, So, which was cool. Yeah, I mean, I think and I don't think it's necessarily that we thought rituals were bad. We just I'm not, you know, it seems like a more complex deck and uh with with people not really having as much time to prep yeah you know so i was it was i was glad i was glad to see it um see it out there yeah for sure yeah it was cool to see because i I haven't played with a ton of the rituals before it felt like he had played with it a little bit more because he he knew when to put them out and how to score on them Mm -hmm. um so he had a little bit of experience but it was cool um other than that yeah, I mean, I was I was happy to only get knocked out once, <laughs> so yeah. that was good. Um, but yeah, how about how about you? How did how did your game? Yeah, go? so I I finished with five points, but I think there was like actually I don't remember if any five points ended up making the cut. Um, I don't think they did. I think it was all no, six or better. I and I think there the... was like one or two six points that that missed on stream. right yeah right. i know i know someone at my last table had six points and he was like one of the people that they said like hang around in case someone drops yeah so, yeah. yeah yeah um so 
yeah, so I, I, I went five points. I was, I, I survived, won a table, survived, and then got eliminated at my last table, um, which was frustrating because it was like going into it, I was like, I just got to stay alive. And then that didn't happen. But um, I, I mean, I feel like the deck, the deck pretty much did what I, what I expected it to do. I lost, well, one game, like I, one game, maybe if it had made it back to round to me, I might've won. Um, but somebody else eliminated their rival first. And then the next game, I definitely would have won on my turn, but my rival knocked out somebody else to give the other player a win because he didn't want to get eliminated. Right. So, which was the right play, you know, I mean, no, 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 uh, shame there or anything, but, um, that was, that was a little frustrating just cause it was like, I had it. And, and again, I, so that actually, that is one of my big lessons, which we'll, again, we'll, like you said, we'll talk about, I think more in here in a second, but, um, and then the last round, um, I, I had the misfortune of being paired up against, or the, the, I had the rival deck at the table, um, you know, coming after me and it was a really tricky situation. I've gone back and forth on this a lot, but like, basically what happened was, um, cause he had Li Shui or Li Shui. Um, we had a nice little pronunciation <laughs> the other week in discord and I'm sure I'm still mangling it, but, uh, anyways, that, that was his leader with house of pain. And so I paid a prestige to get down a title um, to turn on my um, dignity uh, defense, uh-huh. right? And it turned out that that one prestige let him play the scheme, uh, drain me that, you know, he picked all the other three players. He was able to pay all his prestige. I didn't have a last word in hand. So he pushed that through, drained three, and then demand obedience for the last two. So he knocked me out from prestige. Oof. Um, but it was like, you know, it was kind of a... And, and the, the ironic thing is, because I think I saw the the very similar deck that made the final table that did not run demand. So if he was on that deck, I would that actually would have been the right play. You know, so it's just like, sometimes sometimes that's those are the breaks. But um, like I said, overall, I feel like my deck did what I expected it to do. It, pr- it went pretty well. Um, but there are a couple lessons I've learned that, you know, I will take away definitely for any future multiplayer events. Yeah. So let's, let's go over some of those now. Um, Cause I don't think it, it's worth talking too much about our decks. Cause they're, they're going to drastically change anyway. Right. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so some of the things that I'd, I'd say I learned about the game as a whole uh, and this is all multiplayer stuff, obviously. Yes, yes. Uh, there will there will be a time for everyone at the table where once someone starts getting ahead, their game plan changes from how am I going to try to win this game to just be how am I going to just get my one survival point and not get knocked out if there's if the person ahead is like maybe aggro or something like that. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about that yet because mm-hmm. it feels a little weird to kind of take that away. I, I, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but it feels kind of weird to be taking away your game plan just to try to stay alive. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, it is, it's, it's tricky, right? Because like you, you want to have a tournament scoring system where, 
it's not just one person wins, the other three lose. But by incentivizing staying alive, you do incentivize people to shift game plans in the middle. Like if, so for example, right? Like my third table, if that had been um, in the cut, I would have won that table because, you know, once in the cut, once you're eliminated, if you're eliminated with a loss, there's no reason for my opponent to, to hand, literally hand the win to somebody, right? Because, you know, a loss is a loss and, you know, who knows if I have the cards or whatever, right? So it, it is a little weird. And, I, and like you said, I'm also not sure how I feel about it. I'm not sure there's a better option. I think it might just be something that as the game kind of evolves, people learn how to plan around, play around, uh, et cetera. Well, that's a that's actually a good segue for my next point is um, the game gets heavily warped when someone at the table might be a new player or not understand how the scoring works. Um, because like like you said, well, it's a little different than your situation, but I, I heard at a couple different tables that it was on someone's turn. They're already in trying to stay alive mode and they're basically telling the person next to them like you know here's the board state all you have to do is this and you win the game or something or other but then the other player just ends up knocking them out when they didn't necessarily need to like they had another mm-hmm. another path to victory that didn't involve someone at the table not getting a point mm-hmm. um so yeah that, that's another kind of weird thing yeah yeah and um I mean, I, I think at least in my I, on my tables, it wasn't like incredibly warping, um, and, and some of that is because like we've we've played several one on one games, so or I mean, well, several several multiplayer games actually, um, and so I I kind of knew to expect it, and so like again, when my you know when my rival handed the win to somebody else, like on, I mean, I, I honestly didn't even think about it in the moment like it i mean i'm i'm still not mad about it cuz i was like i expected it to happen i was like yep that makes total sense like that's that's the right play um but like taking a step back and looking at it it doesn't feel great i mean it doesn't feel awful but it doesn't feel great either right so um you know and 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 like you said too the the whole you know staying alive and and i mean i think it's also important to remember right this was the first multiplayer yeah. I mean, first real multiplayer event. I know, I know. There's been some some smaller ones, but like this was by far the you know the biggest tournament we've had. So, I I, I would definitely want to watch the meta evolve and like watch what what happens in these events before you know speculating about any kind of changes to make to the tournament scoring or structure or anything like that. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm totally hundred percent equating this to just growing pains mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll see how we fall into that. It's just a hundred percent first impressions. Right. Uh, right. Like calling for, you know, widespread changes or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're on the same page there. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that, <laughs> that point got across. Um, so the other lesson I took away more about building for a multiplayer tournament is that like getting early agenda is really important. And so this kind of goes back to my deck. So I was playing without going too in depth, but I was playing uh, a title deck, but it was actually really kind of an aggro deck that had titles as sort of the backup plan. Um, and I mean, like mostly, mostly the game plan was to win via knockout or, or prestige drain. 
And the problem there was with the title agenda, I usually was only at like two or, you know, two, four or five, maybe agenda. Um, And what that can lead into is like when your opponent, you know, when your rival wants to knock somebody out or, or, or when, when uh, rather when the game goes into, you know, I want to stay alive mode. So I'm going to look and try to knock out the weakest person then you're all you're almost always behind the ball right and that's where i i think the the recruitment deck uh the the sort of mea culpa moment was like in one v one it's still still trash Um, (laughs) but in in multiplayer you know if you're playing like a thin bullets or something getting five agenda by turn two or four agenda by turn two like that actually puts you in pretty good stead because you know, or, or, you know, like uh, most of the, most of the recruitment drive players were in contention. Um, if, you know, if, if somebody was going to knock somebody out, well, like, you know, they're, they're setting it, like I said, four or five agenda on turn two or three. And so like they get the three agenda if their rivals knocked out and they, you know, they could win. Right. And so right. Uh, getting that, getting that fast agenda, I think is why, I, I I would not if I I mean I honestly I legitimately would in the same environment I would not mind taking my exact same deck I would just change the agenda to something that triggers faster to get me agenda off the jump um, mm-hmm. because I think that's I think that's really really important. Well, so we talked about recruitment drive. Do you want to do you want to pivot to like other decks we didn't expect like the ritual one? Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, some talk about some more decks we didn't expect. So I, I already mentioned the ritual one. Uh, that was, I definitely didn't expect that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I saw a pretty cool, uh, sleep of the damned that kept a uh, Jesus and Vlad, bad penny and torpor, which like, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty bad because good. those are two characters <laughs> that, you know, want to come out of torpor a lot. So, Oh, speak, speaking of characters in torpor and things to learn, uh, any newer players out there that this was something that I think caught other people off guard a lot. Uh, at least in my games. Uh, so I would obviously, I'm I'm one of the smoke lovers. I know you're not too hot on smoke. I think he's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, he he, he might have been the most contested character for uh, uniqueness at the tournament, mm-hmm. at least the games I saw. Um, but three costers, I, I think a lot of people, at least the not, exper- not obviously experienced players, uh, definitely remember that those three costers can just immediately come back on the next turn. Um, yep. so that's, that's something I think a, a lot of people had learned. Um, so yeah, keep in mind that, um, um yeah, actually, that- actually two, so two thoughts on that first, the first, the more important one, I think is, uh, the other thing I saw a lot of was, so if, if your vampire has an even cost, you do not have to discard a card the first round, right? Right. To bring them back because it'll, it's going to take two turns anyway, right? You're Generally, short. Generally speaking, you might as well wait a turn and see what your other card will be. Now, there is something coming in the expansion that might change that, and we'll get to it when we talk Wolf and Rat. But in general, um, you know, if if you're uh, if if you have an even cost, you don't necessarily need to discard the first turn. Um, on odd cost, you do. You need to discard every turn if you want to bring them back as quickly as possible. Right. That was so. That was one thing I noticed. Um, the other thing that was really interesting. So I watched your fourth game, 
um, which was kind of a weird game because, you know, y'all were rivals across the table. And so <laughs> I know y'all were joking about it seemed like you were almost playing two 1v1 games with like a shared city deck. Yeah, that that was um, the game where the Tremere Rituals won. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a ton of sad on the board. Yep. Um, and <laughs> one thing that kept happening that was really interesting was like you would knock out your rival's three costers and then he was able to bring them back during his turn to then soak all the sad damage. Um, and so that was, I, I don't know that there's like a big broad takeaway from that, but it's just kind of an interesting idea of like, I, maybe not again in multiplayer, but in one V one don't, you don't always want to eliminate your, your opponent's characters if there's a lot of sad on the board. Yeah. So that was actually, um, I was going to mention that, uh, because I had a couple thin blood characters in my deck and there were a couple instances where, uh, I might've been running low on prestige and, uh, mainly I was running the, the, what, one of the one cost thin bloods and they have the ability where you pay a prestige and you gain mm-hmm. uh, a shield. Um, but I learned, I don't know, halfway through that in some instances, especially when the game is winding down and that one coster isn't going to be much value for much longer, just let sad burn them because they won't uh, have to flip a prestige to go into torpor. Mm hmm. So you, you just a little bit of money saved there. Right. Yeah. So actually it was kind of funny because in, in one of my games, again, I think actually it was, I think it was, it was the third game because my, my rival was playing thin bloods and he didn't, I guess he didn't realize about the, you know, the prestige to block that blocked all the sad damage. Um, and he was like, Oh wow, that's really good. And then I like a turn or two later, he was like, Oh, I'm almost out of prestige. Um, yeah, because that was when he realized, hey, well, I was playing a prestige drain deck. So like he was maybe a little bit weaker than he thought he was to prestige drain. And like, you know, you think, oh, man, one prestige to soak like three or four damage is really good. But like that prestige drain does that up. Yeah, um, I was playing Dragon's Roost. So I had a little bit of ways to keep you. I was basically using that thin blood character as a pseudo vagrant. Mm-hmm. My deck was fairly aggro enough to the point where I wasn't going to be going after citizens that much. So, uh, and I was also playing hunt the hunters. So I was fine with leaving sad out there. Cause I wanted them to just keep hitting my, you know, rival or other characters over and over. Uh, so that was an interesting, I don't know, balancing act, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me, so let me think of what other decks did I run into that I did not expect. Um, there was the range deck that killed me, but I was kind of expecting to see a, a heavy range deck. Although I think it was maybe the only one that I saw even at other tables. Yeah. And because we were worried about, you know, brother inmate and house of pain. Right. Molotoving everyone left and right. right. I don't think that really came up too much. No, uh, we did see there was a lot of thin blood there. Um, yep. I mean, more more than I expected, I, I to be honest. Yeah, I, I played at a table with someone who played full 100% all seven Thin Bloods. Wow. It was 100% aggro. Um, yeah, he, he got his he got everything set up and was ready to go after his rival because he was 100, 100% aggro. Just attacks. He had Sunrise Surprise, which I heard like from multiple. Sun, Aurora must have been the character who got Sunrise Surprise the most at the event because I heard it on like three separate instances and it was always her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, he went after his opponent and he had Jacob like pumped up with four extra damage because of his ability. And, uh, but unfortunately that attack got like completely blocked and only did one damage. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, someone else, I think, uh, a really cool play I saw was, uh, it was thin blood versus thin blood, but the other guy had more of the one costers. So he used, um, was it envelop the one that gives yeah, out? One yeah. Yeah. One? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he enveloped and he knocked out like three thin bloods at once. And yep. that got, that got him the wins. So that was a really cool play. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was at my first table. Uh, yeah, that might be right. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was a cool play. I liked that. Um, what other, what, what decks did you see that you didn't expect? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we covered most of them. The, the rituals was interesting because they actually did, they did bet again, better than I expected. Not in the sense of that. I expect them to be bad, but just they, they seem tricky. Um, it was interesting because that that game, I don't think that opponent ever used two vampires to put out a ritual. It was always both actions. Oh, that is interesting because I the the one I saw they they used the extra vampire a lot. Yeah, um, which I think made it better. But I mean, again, I guess <laughs> your your opponent won. So, <laughs> um, what else did I see? I, I didn't actually see as many conspiracies as I thought I might. Um, which, which, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, I kind I'm of not, expected that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not so in, in one sense, I'm not surprised because I think conspiracies are tricky and a lot of people have had some pretty, I don't, not bad experiences. That's wrong, but like tough, a tough time getting people to pay. But on the other hand, I was a little surprised cause it's like a cool mechanic and there were definitely some folks there that, um, you know, we're, we're more like, I'm going to play this thing that rather than like oh this i know this deck is the best if that makes sense right so so i was a little surprised i didn't see more conspiracies um and that in that sense yeah the the game that i was closest to winning and uh this was this was with the one with our friend aj so shout out to him uh it was he was playing conspiracies and the other opponent was he was playing Malkavian, but it was kind of a mix of aggro plus conspiracy because he was using inmate to do inmate stuff, uh, but then also using conspiracies because he used all tied up on me, which probably if he didn't, I would have won that turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I went from seeing zero to then seeing it two at the same table and then just got <laughs> hosed by it. So that, that was kind of ironic. Right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's... I- well, and it's the same problem um, we had, or I, I saw from him when we were testing it. Is it, it? He was always in the game, but he was always like a turn away from winning. Mm-hmm. And that's right. uh, that's a good point because that was another thing I noticed at every every game that I was in or watched. Uh, the the person who was ahead, who was who ended up winning, the second the person who was second closest to winning was probably like a turn or two most from winning. So the game, I don't think I saw any game that was like completely ran away with it or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, that, that is a good point. And that's something I saw too. Like it, it seemed like in almost every game, um, especially after the, you know, I, on my last couple tables when it was a little bit, you know, a, a little bit uh, closer to the cut level of play, right? Like it seemed like everybody was in it. Or, or pretty close. Actually, the <laughs> ironically enough, the probably the game that was close I saw that was closest to the guy running away with it was the one I got eliminated on, and he didn't win. 
um, because his rival lost. But like, there's a Hunt the Hunters deck who was on like seven uh, agenda on turn three, Ooh. and then I lost. Um, so that was probably the closest one. But you know, uh, other than that, yeah, like it, it, everything was like real, real close. It seemed like every you know, at least two or three people were in contention. Um, and same thing, like you said, the, the, the second place person, you know, could have maybe won on their turn or, or was like a turn away or, you know, or, or had missed or barely missed the win on their turn and then lost or something like that. So it's good to see. Yeah. And if we, if, if we haven't mentioned it before, hunt the hunters is really good. Yep. <laughs> that made up, uh, I think t- two or three of the final table. I think it, I think it was two. Two? Okay. I think I think it was two Hunt the Hunters, a play thing, and I can't think of manipulate the masses, maybe? Yeah. Oh Some, man. I don't know. Yeah, so we uh we we've gotten this far in the deck. We should probably have mentioned the winner of the event. Yes. Uh so the newly crowned Indianapolis Prince of the City was Josh Johnson. Yes. So congrats. Uh, we, Shout outs to yes, him for sure, yes. first of all. Um, Totally. Yeah. I think we probably maybe talked a little too long without recognizing that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. Right. That's why I was like, oh man, we gotta, you know, we, we talked about us being, being scrubs and, and losing. We need, we need to talk about the guy who actually won and say congrats for being the first, the first Prince in vampire rivals. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, we don't have all of the, the decks for the cut yet. Um, I think they're, you know, all the renegade folks are probably still you know, traveling back and stuff like that. So once we have all that, we'll make sure that's available for everyone to crunch that data. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll do some deck analysis. Once we get all of the, uh, top cut decks, uh, Renegade's going to put all those out mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll spend some time actually going through them and seeing how they're similar. Cause I think a couple of them were fairly close and then a couple of them were just, you know, wildly different. So we'll see, See how that shaked out. Yeah, I'm also I'm also hoping that they do kind of the same stats they did, like with the um, you know season zero tournament and stuff. With oh like, yeah, you know if they kind of released for the whole tournament, like who was playing what deck, and I mean I know because I know we were supposed to write down our leader just for kind of information. Um, so I, I I hope they release some of those stats. We'll we'll see how much they they do in their kind of event write up. There's an interesting thought I just thought of. How many times did you have to bid for your leader? Uh, none. I actually don't think, I don't think in any of my four tables I ever saw a leader bid. I had to bid once and I won it. And then I saw another, it was governor and governor on that double Malkavian table. Mm. But the second, the, the person who had to bid for it, just let him have it. Um, which was interesting because mm-hmm. I think they, they were kind of in that pseudo aggro deck. So I think they were probably fine not having governor right. to start. Which is interesting. Um, yeah. I think another... that's also. Go sorry, ahead. go. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I think that's also another encouraging sign that like even with just two extra clans, um, you know there was very little leader overlap. So that that's yeah. encouraging to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now after after Wolf and the Rat plus the promo characters and all the OPK characters, we're up to seventy seven vampires. Um, so I don't think that it, it feels like we're going to get either we going to get or we're already at the point where unless some decks are just absolutely dominant in the meta, we're not going to have a ton of bidding. Right. Yeah, which is good, which is good. 
Um, so one other thing I wanted to talk about, and this is probably going to be more for the game at large more than Prince, but I think Prince kind of exemplified it, at least in my mind. But uh, I went first almost every game and absolutely hated it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that player one has distinct disadvantages and no advantages to make up for that? Yeah, so I think in, in 1v1... I think that it's pretty balanced because I think that, you know, yeah, they have one less vampire, but again, they only have the one opponent and they, they generally get to like your turn one is it's kind of hard sometimes to go after a civilian or whatever. Whereas in multiplayer, you have three players that all get an extra vampire. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's that there's the fact that, you know, small thing, but still tiebreaker, um, you're last in the tiebreaker order, basically. Right. Um, I mean, I guess prestige is first, but then then it's player order. Um, you know, yeah, it, it, it does feel like you are at a disadvantage and the advantage is not enough to make up for it. And I don't know how to balance that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I have much more to add out there, but I think that's something that, hopefully is being I guess they know they didn't really tra- I hope in the future it's something that's tracked more mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean player one essentially loses bids because the, the other players are probably going to be fine if you overbid yourself and if you bid too low they'll just bid one more on you and that's fine um, and like you mentioned the, the vamps you can't uh, this is a newer rule that they added um, I think probably since the last time we recorded, but they, they added in a rule that you, we already knew you can't attack anyone who hasn't had a turn, but they also added in that you can't target anyone who hasn't had a turn. Right. Which makes sense, but right. You know. It's just more, more, more to add on to the kind right. of player one disadvantages. So I, I honestly kind of think even, even more than the first player disadvantage, I think that it, it means second player is such a strong position. Right, because you get to go before two other people, but you also have two vampires. So I, I think the the easiest change is I would like to maybe see second player also only gets one vampire, and just kind of see where that goes. I don't know. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like I I have no ideas on what to do about it. I just felt it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I do think that going being first player is sad. Um, and you <laughs> generally don't like it. I oh, think yeah. also, also if if you if you because a, a lot of a lot of tables either just flipped a coin or rolled off for first player. But we also I didn't know this before we had. But whoever wins that coin toss or roll off, they are first player. They yeah. don't get a choice. Right. I mean, I think so. We did mostly the easiest way of doing first player. Is you just, you know, put all the tokens in the middle and whoever gets the first yeah. player one is first player. Um, but yeah, that is that is important to note. Yeah, you don't get a choice; you just are first player. Because I'd, I, if there was any change, I would put it would be that one because there might be ducks in the future where you do want to be player one. Um, and actually, I say that, but Wolf and the Rat, there are going to be instances where you want to be player one because there is a lot of things that care about the city deck. So, mm-hmm. getting first pick of that that is going to be an incentive to be first player. So I. If, if there's a change that I would like to see tested or anything, it would be whoever wins that 
decides if they want to be player one or not. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do think player order is definitely an interesting topic. And like you said, at the very least, I would I would hope that, you know, I, I think that's a good thing to track going forward because yeah. that'll kind of show if is it really a problem? Because I could also see like an aggro deck or, you know, not an aggro deck, but like a hunt the hunters or play things um, might actually like going first because they get their pick of four different city cards, right? Yeah. Um, whereas like if you're going fourth, you may not have a chance to get, you know, a, a citizen or a vagrant or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it'd be a good thing to track for sure. Yeah. And I mean, unless you're feeling really brave, it first turn is your action is to recruit. So you really only have one other action to go get something. And if you, you know, you didn't draw a good attack or anything like that. You might not even be able to get anything other than like a vagrant or something like that. So mm. yeah, but yeah, just, just thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So um, last thing, the other, the other event that I wasn't able to play in, I had uh, another, a, a previous commitment, but I know you played in was the one V one tournament on Saturday. So I'd, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so this one was uh, also fun. It was run kind of uh, semi-concurrently with the top tables for Prince. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a lot of the Prince stuff because we were already in the middle of playing, which is fine. Um, I think there were 12 people at the start, and I think two dropped by the end of it. Uh, so originally the format, they, they were going to do the seven rounds. Uh, four wins, get you the promos, but they ended up... Uh, at the end of the fourth round saying, okay, you know, the, the pairings are just, the pairing started kind of, uh, getting worse because there just weren't enough players. Uh, mm-hmm. so they were, they were just essentially cutting the cutting a round off and then prizing at three wins instead. So already had that. So I think most of the players just, uh, left by the end of it, but, um, I took the same deck, uh, the same kind of, uh, Aurora dragons Roost deck. I changed some cards around that, weren't going to be very functional in one V one. I think a lot of people did that. I don't uh, people that I talked to that played in Prince, they just said they brought the same deck and anyone who was in Prince and got knocked out, had the opportunity to just join right in, mm-hmm. which I think there was only maybe like one or two people that actually did that, <clears throat> which is makes sense that there's nothing in the tournament that they didn't already win. Cause the <laughs> right, the Havens were part of the, the prizing for day two. Um, yeah, it was fun. It, it, it was weird, I guess, going from multiplayer for so many days and then going back into one V one because the, the play style is definitely very different. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Uh, uh, renegade ran it very swiftly. The same thing as before. Um, obviously the, the one thing that I definitely noticed was the timing that the time constraints were very different. Um, one V one had 35 minutes, which the games themselves didn't feel like they got to a natural conclusion. A lot of games went to time. That's for hmm. sure. Hmm. A lot of games. So went to time. that's interesting. Cause I know they gave us longer than that for the pre-release. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, makes sense on the one hand, because it was playing with brand new cards and, and it was a new player event. So I know there were plenty of people that, you know, hadn't played very much if at all, but, um, but I mean, I think the one V one sounds like it was pretty much all kind of experienced 
players. Yeah, everyone, uh, everyone definitely was in the Prince event. Um, so it wasn't anyone who just walked up and wanted to play uh, in the one v one event. Everyone was, I would say, everyone was experienced. Um, I don't think I really had any other takeaways other than, yeah, the, the, the timing was interesting because almost every game, I think every game I played went to time, except I had one concession because I, I just had a God draw and just Mm -hmm. my, I, I I felt bad because my opponent literally could not do anything, which isn't, that's not a good feeling for anyone. Really. I don't like to, I don't like to win games like that. Right. Um, yeah, I guess that might have been my only takeaway. And that's something that we kind of were interested in seeing once we saw the tournament rules, which is also double interesting because they gave us, what was the extra five minutes they gave us uh, on top of the tournament rules, what they originally were? And, my, and my, multiplayer my and Prince? Or? No, uh, the original tournament rules had 30 minutes, right? And then they added five? Or am I misremembering that? I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. All right. Well, then if I'm wrong, then it were me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if if we ever get a Prince 1v1 event, that will be interesting to see how many of those games go to time, because generally at a higher level of play, the players are taking longer to think. Yeah. So I it'll mean, be interesting to see in the yeah. future. That was because that was one thing I noticed during at least during my Prince games. I know there were definitely some games that went to time which was impressive because they gave us a full like 90 minutes. Yeah. But I mean, I think basically all of my games were done. I mean, I know all my games were done early and like a lot, like I had one game where I was done where we were done in like half an hour. Yeah. Almost or like just over. So, um, you know, I, I do think, I, I think that one V one timing is maybe a little trickier, but I think the multiplayer timing is probably in a good place. Yeah. Yeah, let's just let's shave some timing from the multiplayer and give it to the one v one. There you go. <laughs> um but yeah, I was I was happy I, I got my havens from that because I was gonna be bummed if I didn't. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm bummed I couldn't play because that's so that's one thing, you know, and we can kind of move into our kind of concluding thoughts, but that's one thing that I really took away is man, the pricing was pretty oh. great. Um, and those spot glosses in particular are gorgeous. Yes, I, I have a couple spot glosses from some previous games, but they are nothing compared to these ones. Yeah, so if you haven't seen them, uh, the spot glosses I'm used to, and I, I always kind of liked them, but you know, most of the ones I'm used to were the just the card. It's like a it's like a laminated or kind of plastic um, acrylic, you know, card, and it's just flat, right? And but all of these spot glosses, they have like kind of matte sections and then shiny sections that like really make it pop. So like, yeah, like for example, the card backs, like all of the, all of the color parts. So like the purple on the agendas or the Brown on the Havens is gloss and the black is like matte. So it really pops out. And then on the front, they kind of did it where the art, like the foreground is glossy and kind of the background isn't. So it just, it pops really well in it. They just look real pretty. Yeah. Yeah, whoever whoever designed these, the, keep doing them, please, because <laughs> yes. they are great. They are great, and then and even like the paper alt arts, I I thought that pretty much all the arts were were cool. I liked them. I mean, I you know, I only only had a chance because because <laughs> I wasn't good enough. I only had the chance to to get uh, four cards, but I mean, I would not have been. I guess I would not have been unhappy with with getting a place out of like any of those. 
Yeah, so if you if you played through everything and all the paper arts, uh, well, preface this with saying, if you had kickstarted and already had all the altar leaders and everything like that, so if you already had everything leading up to this, which I know not everyone has, uh, and you played in all the events, so Prince and 1v1, you would walk away with play sets of every single card plus a two of of one thing, which was really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yep. Um, and then the, you know, of course, we got we got victors for playing in the events too, yep. which is cool. He's good. He's good. Um, yep. You know, the like we already talked about the events were run really well. I like they did random deck checks throughout the event. Yeah, which was good. Which was I nice never. I have never seen random deck checks. I've always seen like day two show up yep. and give us your deck. So yep. That was cool. That was, it was nice. Like, yeah, because basically just between every round or after every round, they would, you know, pick one person at the table and just be like, hey, can we check your deck real quick? Um, and they'd go off and do it and bring it back. And it, that all went really smoothly, at least for me. So, um, Oh, another another thing of the, the 1v1 event that um, I wanted to mention, they were running demos nonstop multiple time, multiple demos at a time. It was wow. very exciting to see. Yeah. Um, one of the judges, uh, Evan, I think his name was, if I'm not misremembering, ran like a lot of demos. Oh, no, I'm just typing demos. I'm not searching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's it's that's always super exciting. And, and the staff in general, I think, was really good. Right. You know, the, yeah, the. Uh, the judges i thought were all all pretty good um you know i had a couple of judge questions and and they were answered pretty well um you know matt both matts really were there matt hyro was walking around um i one thing that uh I, I not not really a criticism but just something that made me think was like there was some kind of some active judging and of course it's a you know it's the first event so it kind of makes sense but that's one thing that i would kind of like to see clarified um is like whether events will be active judged or not because it's always a little frustrating when you know you're getting active judged just because a judge happens to be walking around right um it makes you think like, oh, what what didn't get caught for someone else, and now yeah. I'm the I'm the one penalized. But, yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm not like you know I'm not like super against it, um, but I I do kind of, th- and again, like I said, this was also the very first event, and so like it does sort of make sense that that they were going around enforcing rules. Like I know, I know Matt Hire was was definitely enforcing the prestige bidding rules, which is not really like an active judging thing exactly. So that didn't bother me. Um, yeah, but you know. Just, just yeah, little little details. But I mean, yeah, I have I have a lot of praise for the Renegade staff. the The events ran real well, um, so very very happy with all of that. And it's really cool. It's like you said, it's really cool to to hear about all those demos going on. That's exciting. Yeah. So Evan Evan did twenty six demos, and he said between the whole team, it was upwards of one hundred and eighty people. Where a lot of them went and got product and then came back to do pods, which a lot of people did pods on Saturday. So that it was very exciting to see very, uh, very hopeful for the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I also, I, I went, you know, to the renegade booth. I got some other renegade stuff. So, um, which, which also actually reminded me, I was going to say the, I noticed after, after we talked about the spot glasses, 
on Friday, the cards, I noticed that the boxes too, like the, the wolf and rat box and their other games have the same kind of spot gloss, you know, sections on them. And they're just really pretty, which is, which is sad because it's like a, a box that I'm like, I don't want to get rid of because it's just so nice. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Usually when I get expansions for stuff, I'll just, you know, condense it into one storage and then toss it. But I've been trying to think about what to do with these because these are nice boxes. Yeah. They're, they're big enough to transport like a good amount of cards in. Like if you ever want to take something for just like, if you want to introduce some friends to the game, but you don't want to bring all your cards and stuff like that, you could just bring the expansion box and call it a day. Yeah. They're nice boxes. Primo stuff all around. Yeah. Good deal. So it was exciting. I think uh, neither one of us did quite as well as we hoped, but we still had a lot of fun. It was a good, good event. Glad, glad we, glad we, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad, very glad we went. Um, looking forward to the future. I know thing is still things are still in flux for the future, so we kind of just have to still ride that out. But yeah, very hopeful for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, I, I yeah, so actually, that's a good a good point because I know they were talking on the Discord today. Um, originally, there was going to be a Prince at PAX Unplugged. I think right now that's kind of up in the air. I think maybe PAX Unplugged is a little up in the air from what I understand. Yeah, I think um, they mentioned that like they haven't even sold tickets yet. Yeah, so, you know, who knows? Um, I know they mentioned that, obviously, <laughs> pandemic with notwithstanding, but they want to have at least, you know, a few more U.S. events and a couple European Prince events before Gen Con next year, ideally. So it's good that they're, you know, they're definitely wanting to to grow the OP and stuff. Um, I also think without, you know, not not really ready to, to, to announce anything or anything, but I, I definitely am interested in um, running some online stuff. Yeah. Um, and getting getting some online stuff going. So hopefully we can we can figure out a way to make that happen. Yes, there there are plans within plans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, exciting time. And and I think in terms of the podcast too, I think now that we've we've kind of had the Gen Con, I know we were really building up for that. I think we can, you know, get into some um not more interesting episodes, but kind of, you know, broader topics, right? We like we're going to have a we're going to have another uh, episode kind of talking about the meta after we can look at all the decks. We're going to talk about Wolf and Rat. Um, but, you know, we can also maybe start getting into kind of some kind of specific stuff. Um, how to, I know there's, there was early on, there was some uh, requests for kind of like, how do we play against Bruja? So, you know, like, hey, how do I play with or against aggro? Or, you know, what are things I should think about in, in this situation or that or whatever? So I think, I think we'll have, we'll have the chance to kind of open up and do some interesting, interesting discussions. Yeah, and as always, if you have you the listener have any topics that you want covered, reach out to us. Let us know. Um, we're we're more than open to exploring what you guys want to hear. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to put a cap on it um, for tonight. Still got a lot of a lot of exciting stuff to cover in the future, so um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I feel like I would have been wiped out after Gen Con, but I feel like I'm reinvigorated. Actually, yeah, I feel kind of the same way. You know, I was um, <laughs> I was I was kind of I was kind of grumpy on on uh, Friday after after I got eliminated, but you know, some sleep and and some other other games and stuff, and like you said, I'm feeling invigorated and and excited for for what's to come. So. That's good. That's a good feeling. Yep, definitely. 
All right, well, uh, like I said, that'll do it for us, and I'll bid everyone good evening. And stay spooky.